0: Welcome to CMIO Podcast, a show devoted to educating and informing those who are making healthcare easier for others. Whether you're involved with informatics, analytics, or new technologies that make the lives of our practicing clinicians clinicians better, this show is for you. My name is Dr. Mark Weissman, a practicing physician and CMIO, and the host of CMIO Podcast. Today covering the news to know for the week of September 16th, as usual I'll cover roughly six stories, give you a little commentary about why I think they're important for CMIO's to know. So let's get to it. Starting out of healthcare IT news, uh, this is a story by Mike Milliard. How should your organization assess telehealth return on investment? So there's a new study from Manat Health Strategies, I assume they're a consulting company, that offers perspective drawn largely from two case studies of different care providers about how the return on investment should be assessed for nascent telehealth deployments. And they go on to quote one of the authors, Provider organizations should assess a potential telehealth program's impact on value by evaluating the program's impact on improving revenue, health outcomes, and patient experience relative to costs. In addition to the direct economic drivers, telehealth programs can generate value in a number of ways that may be difficult to measure, they wrote. Uh, These include increasing access to care, allowing patients to receive care in a more convenient setting, and improving patient and provider satisfaction. So why do I think a CMIO should know about this? I think it's a mistake for any CMIO to take their eye off of the financial ROI of their telehealth program. Yes, for short-term pilots, you may want to measure engagement and access and patient and provider satisfaction, but I have not seen a hospital system yet that doesn't want a true financial ROI for one of its clinical programs and telehealth is no different although for every telehealth program that i've been involved with we do measure all of these soft things but the uh this the cfo and the finance teams kind of look at this with a with a, a strange eye going um when when are we going to see something out of this so if you're in a value-based care system and you can demonstrate lower ED utilization and lower total cost of care for patients that are using your service, well, fantastic. And that's a true financial ROI. But if you're saying your program is a success because people can get access from their couch to treat a self-limited upper respiratory infection, that's not going to show a true financial return on investment. And so to be a CMIO, you do not have to be a financial wizard, but to be respected by our colleagues in administration, we do have to develop programs that can sustain themselves. So be cautious uh, with just looking at the soft ROI measures. I think you really do need to look at that true financial ROI in telehealth. But I do want to continue with another telehealth story, and this one comes out of Health IT Consultant. American Well integrates telehealth app with Epic EHR via the Epic App Orchard. And I'll read you a few lines here. The telehealth provider, American Well, announced it has joined with Epic as uh, part of joining the App Orchard Marketplace. They now make their video visits available from directly within Epic MyChart, enabling health system providers to incorporate video as part of their care delivery. Just a side note, I know they are already integrated pretty well with Cerner, so uh, a pretty big impact here. Uh, One more line. The integration of telehealth as part of the EHR and patient portal workflow empowers providers to easily incorporate video as part of care delivery, extending their reach while also making it easy for patients to access care. So why is this important? I think it's great that American Well, they're already with Cerner, now they're with Epic. That's a pretty big market for them. They are the number one telehealth company by volume of visits. and I think they're worth watching if you're not familiar with them there's definitely a company to put on your radar in terms of how they're performing in the telehealth marketplace. It's a great barometer for understanding adoption of telehealth. The other part which I think is interesting is that if, let's say you did this, let's say you're in Epic System and you put this in, you do get to leverage the American Well Provider Group and that's really valuable to me because with every telehealth project I've been engaged with, the employed providers are not chomping at the bit to get into the uh, telehealth space. It's either the financial disincentives that play a role or they don't have time, they're already busy, or they just don't trust or like the telehealth uh, environment. So they're not staffing this. And so it's nice that you could, if you have some who are willing to play, you use that internally, but then if you need after hours coverage, if you need uh, to fill gaps, if you're having trouble staffing, it looks like the American Well Provider Network would step in for you, which I think lowers one of the barriers to getting into this. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential benefit in that model. So keep your eye on this. Uh, most of you are probably on a Cerner or Epic shop in one way, shape, or form because they own so much of the market. But I imagine they also will do things with uh, Allscripts and Meditech fairly soon as well. So interesting. Uh, keep your eye on the telehealth space. Next article. Jumping. Um, let's see. Let's go back to health IT news. Geisinger and IBM develop a new predictive algorithm to detect sepsis risk, September 12, 2019. And they go on to say um, that they have developed a model to help clinicians flag sepsis using data from the EMR. The doctor, oh boy, I'm going to absolutely mangle that last name. So let's just say the doctor that led a team of scientists to create a new model based on EHR data, partnering with the IBM Data Science and AI Elite teams, researchers assembled a six person team to develop a model to predict sepsis mortality, as well as a tool to keep the team on top of the latest sepsis research. The researchers used open source technology from IBM Watson to build a predictive model that would ingest clinical data from thousands of de-identified sepsis patients spanning a decade, then use that model to predict patient mortality during the hospitalization period or during the 90 days following their hospital stay. The project revealed descriptive and clinical features that could indicate heightened risk for sepsis, such as age, prior cancer diagnosis, decreased blood pressure, number of hospital transfers, time spent on vasopressor medications, and even the type of pathogen. So a couple points on this article. They really haven't shown us anything yet in terms of improved mortality, from sepsis, and until they do that, this is just kind of a nice to know article, but there are a few things to point out. Number one, they mentioned that they had a team of data scientists to create this model. Uh, do you have a team? Should you have a team? Those are good questions to ask. Better question is, can you afford a team? Because this article mentions they had six people. So let's assume data scientist uh, $150,000 each a year. There's probably over a million dollars in salary and benefits that they're paying for that team, and not every healthcare system is going to be able to do that. Nor should they. Uh, not every healthcare system is going to be willing to take that risk. There is no guarantee that this model will be better than what they could get out of the box from their EHR. So I think Geisinger is an Epic shop. I'm pretty sure they are. And so they could get an sepsis model, and so they need to demonstrate a significant benefit over the existing model that they get from, from Epic. And that's that's not gonna be so easy to do. And so my question is, is it worth that million dollars to develop their own model, or is it better to put the million dollars towards making the operational processes better, or investing in provider education, provider leadership to drive the operational projects, simply having a model and dropping it into your EHR has been shown to do absolutely nothing. So that's my takeaway from this article. It causes me to rethink the, that build versus buy argument for artificial intelligence and the opportunity cost. What else could we be doing with that money? Another AI article that I thought was really interesting, also comes out of healthcare IT news, and that is the FDA clears GE Healthcare's AI platform for x-ray scans. The platform called the Critical Care Suite, developed in partnership with UC San Francisco and powered by GE's Edison AI technology, can help radiologists prioritize cases involving collapsed lungs. When a patient is scanned on a device with Critical Care Suite, The platform provides triage notifications that are sent to the PACS system upon transfer of the original diagnostic image. The suite also enables PACS work list prioritization and offers an on-device notification to the technologist. The aim is to drastically cut the average review time, which currently takes up to eight hours. GE Healthcare claims the platform can detect nearly all large pneumothoraces with 96% sensitivity, with 75% for small pneumothoraces while sharply limiting false alerts. This is a quote from one of the UCSF surgeons. When a patient x-ray is taken, the minutes and hours it takes to process and interpret the image can impact the outcome in either direction. AI gives us an opportunity to speed up the diagnosis and change the way we care for patients, which could ultimately save lives and improve outcomes. My take on it, I like it. We're gonna see more of this. If you caught my last podcast with Dr. Eric Topol, you heard his opinion that this particular use case for AI is very strong and likely to advance into routine use. And I believe that the, the use of AI in the imaging part of the visual part of healthcare, be it pathology, dermatology, or, or radiology, I think is very strong. So picture yourself. Hypothetical situation. You're lying in a major academic medical center hospital. You're sitting in their bed after an invasive procedure and suddenly you need a stat chest x-ray. In this hypothetical example it's, uh, it's July the 2nd and it's 2 a.m. So who's gonna be reading your film? Would you prefer that new resident that's sitting in the dark room to read it or would you like the resident plus the AI tool? Either way you're getting the new resident. Personally I would like the AI acting as backup, but that's me. It's early, but I do think we should start making investments in this space because within the next three years, this will become more commonplace. I think it's a real exciting tool and exciting to see it getting deployed. Uh, Next article. This one's out of Fierce Healthcare. September 9th. Millions Millions of diabetes patients are missing out on Medicare's nutrition help. They go on to say that an estimated 15 million try again. They estimated 15 million Medicare enrollees with diabetes or chronic kidney disease are eligible for the benefit, but the federal health insurance program identified that only 100,000 residents got counseling in 2017, which was the last year they had data available for the study. Health experts say the little-used benefit represents a lost opportunity for beneficiaries to improve their health and for the program to save money by preventing costly complications from the diseases. So nationwide, there are over 100,000 registered dietitians, more than enough to meet demand, said the Executive Director of Family Food in Philadelphia, which employs about 50 dietitians. The problem may be that not enough physicians know about the Medicare benefit and doctors do have to refer the patients to a dietitian for this to happen. So why do I highlight this article? I think it's a great opportunity for CMIOs to have an impact on their population base. It should be fairly easy to run a report, identify the patients that meet the criteria but have not completed an order for a nutrition consult dietary evaluation um, that you should be able to see that order in the chart. And then you can consider some kind of bulk messaging outreach via either your portal or through a CRM system, through email or text, whatever you're using, and let the patients know about this covered benefit. As an intervention, it seems pretty good to me. There are no adverse side effects, not a lot of cost, improves patient health. Sounds like a great opportunity. So I I pick out this article because I think if you're not doing this, pretty good opportunity to score some nice wins for your patients and your system uh, by getting more people to use that benefit, that Medicare covered benefit. All right, next article out of Fierce Healthcare from September 12th by Joanne Finnegan. As deaths add up, many experts say physicians should advise patients to stop vaping. As a sixth sixth, sixth death was reported this week from a mysterious lung illness linked to vaping, an investigation continues into what specifically caused the illness using electronic or e-cigarettes is not safe, and doctors should warn their patients, experts say. Amid a worrying surge in vaping among young people and the nationwide outbreak of severe lung illness linked to vaping, the Trump administration yesterday announced plans to ban flavored electronic cigarettes. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is currently investigating 450 possible cases of serious lung illness believed to be caused by e-cigarette use in 33 states and one U.S. territory. Doctors, this is a quote from uh, one of the doctors they interviewed from from John Hopkins actually, doctors have to ask their patients about it. If you don't ask, they may not tell you. Physicians should also ask patients how they're using the e-cigarette device and if they're altering that device to use e-liquids. So why do I bring this one up? Because it probably has some implication on the build in your EHR. Do you already collect vaping information in your rooming tab? We're collecting the smoking information because that was an easy win to get out of the uh, MIPS measures is to uh, collect and intervene on, on smoking. But many of us do not have built in something about vaping. And so you do have to build that in, and then have you trained your people on how to collect that information, and then are providers trained to counsel these patients, and then do they even have the time to add one more thing to counsel someone about? But yes, if it's a health risk, we do need to do that. I know in my EMR, there were problems getting a new social history item into place where we wanted it, it was getting it built, I wanted it right into the smoking history section, but no such luck, that possibility was not there, so we had to, Kind of come up with a little you know, jerry-rigged solution anyway look at your EHR and the data collection tools for vaping it does impact across your department's emergency department inpatient ambulatory areas all areas that probably need this in their workflows i'm going to yeah we get time for another one So this one is Massachusetts hospitals coding at higher acuity to increase pay, watchdog says. This one comes out of Becker's Hospital CFO report. Just two or three lines to read on this one. Preliminary data issued September 11th comes from researchers at the Massachusetts Health Policy Commission, a state watchdog agency, that examined the practice of hospitals mining patient medical history through their EHR systems to boost the complexity of diagnosis, billing codes, and maximize payment. The commission estimated that the state saw $280 million more in inpatient Medicare costs and as much as $300 million more in inpatient commercial costs in 2017 because of increases in patient acuity between 2013 and 2017. So what's my take on this? No, duh. Of course, we should be doing this. This is finding out the true health risk of the patient. It's not artificially inflating. The cost of care. Our patients are truly sick, and usually we undercode it. And now we're using tools. There's artificial intelligence tools. I know 3M360 is, is used a lot. Nuance has a tool that helps doctors put in the right language so that coders can accurately code the level of illness for the patient. I do not believe that this is a widespread fraud that's going on. This is the actual cost of care. So shame on you Massachusetts Health Policy Commission for even suggesting or inuating or complaining that the cost, that Medicare is getting billed more, yes, the patients are sick, we're just documenting it correctly. That's my two cents. I'll get off my soapbox there. All right, just a couple of more. These aren't real articles. Well, they they are real articles. They come out of Becker's, but Jackie Drees did uh, just some quick interviews with some CMIOs asking them a series of questions. I'm just going to the question that I found most interesting is, what has been one of your most memorable moments as a CMIO? And she asked four different CMIOs. I just want to read you their responses. The first one is uh, Dr. Saxena, uh, CMIO at um, Marshfield Clinical Health System in Wisconsin and she says every time I hear back from one of our most able providers and they tell us how the EHR help, has helped improve them, improve care, each of these events are marked clearly in my short-term and long-term memory and I feel empowered and inspired by such a story I hear from my fellow physicians. That probably resonates with most of us I like that one here's another one again what has been your most memorable moments as a CMIO being asked to Dr. Dunnigan out of this is a Phoenix based Maricopa integrated health system we've just completed a two-year implementation of an enterprise-wide voice recognition technology suite the results have been incredible, with some providers stating that they have shaved three hours of EHR time out of their day. We are able to leverage our significant IT upgrades in making the experience very ubiquitous for our providers to the extent where they can now use these tools anywhere in the world where they have internet bandwidth. I really highlighted the amazing teamwork we have, oh, sorry, it really highlighted the amazing teamwork we have across the IT space and our ability to understand how providers practice to leverage the technology to the greatest extent possible. Again, that one probably resonates. I found that moving to an enterprise uh, voice recognition technology was really, really valuable for our providers as well. Next one is we've got Dr. Cuniaris, and again, I apologize if I'm messing up some of your names here. Uh, this one comes out of Northern Region at Hackensack Meridian, and most memorable moment. I truly get excited when a workflow I have helped implement directly improves patient care. One of the most memorable instances is when at the hospital they leveraged an EHR data from another health system, which was interfaced to our EHR and provided critical information not available in any other way. This allowed the patient's care team to embark on a completely new plan of care, which dramatically sped up her recovery. Fantastic, that feels good, I'm sure. And we'll do one more. This one is Dr. Stephen Beck, who is the interim CMIO at Wellstar. And again, most memorable moment, when a provider is a naysayer about technology and I see them engaging with an EHR and proving that they can successfully use it, this always brings me immense joy. As technology changes, we must learn to adapt to it. Being the change agent for providers is what keeps me grounded in my work. Love that. Uh, I've just experienced that myself with a provider that absolutely was not engaging with the EHR. Showed him a couple of things and he's like, hey, this, this has potential. I can do this. And now he's engaging around it and it's just, it's really fun and uh, exciting to, to see happen. So those are my stories for today. Hope you enjoyed them. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to CMIO Podcast. I have been your host, Mark Weissman. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at CMIOpodcast at gmail.com or go to the website at CMIOpodcast.com. Send me your ideas for shows, guests you'd like to hear from, general feedback, or just to connect. And I look forward to bringing you our next episode.